and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you, Rachel, and welcome everyone to this week's edition of In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. We're grateful to have you join us for yet another conversation. These podcasts drop every Friday, and you can get them at your favorite place to get podcasts, whether it's Spotify or Apple, or just one of the easiest things to do is go to epc.org, and you can get it right off of our website as, as well. We're grateful for all of you who are not only listening in, but sharing it with with others. And we've had some great conversations, some timely conversations around the table as we enter into now our second year. Today, we're excited to have uh, the Reverend Mark Farrell with us. He's the lead pastor at Tampa Covenant Church here in Florida, and he is the church health coordinator for the Presbytery of Florida and the Caribbean. So Mark, it's great to have you here on In All Things. Dean, is good to be here. All right, man. And a little promo too. Mark is actually one of our preachers for General Assembly this year. So you come to GA out of Cherry Hills Church, you're going to hear the word brought by uh, Mark on Wednesday evening at the GA and grateful for that and excited for that. He is an enthusiastic and I always, you know, it's maybe it's my seminary training, but you know, I break these things down. Enthusiasm is two Greek words and theos. If you're in God, you should be enthused. And, and Mark is enthused about the good news about Jesus. That'll preach, right? Enthused about the Absolutely. good news. Absolutely. Man, I got to think about that. That one will preach. So at any rate, Mark is going to be our guest today and we're going to dig down a little bit deeper on issues related to church health. And speaking of which, today's episode of In All Things is brought to you by the gospel priority of the EPC, which is church health. Uh, sometimes it's called transformation, uh, but transformation is, is, is in-house code language for church health. Health. And our church health coordinators and all 16 of our presbyteries are, exist to serve our congregations. They're busy training coaches to come alongside of congregations as each of them steps into some best practices on ways in which they can be healthy. And there's a lot of things that can be said about church health, but the first thing that we want to say about church health in the EPC is a healthy church is a church with an evangelistic culture. And to that end, over the last year, the EPC has cultivated a resource called the Three Circles, which is a very simple, biblically grounded tool that almost anybody can use. There's training for children, adults, all kind of different venues for that. So Mark, uh, help our listeners to get to know you a little bit, bring us up to speed on where God has you today. Well, Dean, first of all, I, uh, I'm now serving in the church in which I basically grew up in my whole adult life. Wow. Uh, I was born and raised in the church. My mother and my father were missionaries to the Caribbean. They are both born in the Caribbean. Really? Where? West, which, which island? My mom is from Antigua, West Indies, and my dad is from Montserrat, West Indies. No. Yes, indeed. And Did my, you know that my daughter is from St. Vincent and the Grenadines? I never knew that. Yeah, man. Yeah. And yeah. My, my, and daughter's my, Vincy. <laughs> I never knew that. And my dad, um, he went back to the Caribbean to, to plant churches. Of course, during the era of colonization, my parents both went to school in England. They had myself and my sister. My, my sister's older. And then my little brother was born in, the, in, in New York. Nonetheless, they go back to Antigua to plant churches. And while in Antigua, my dad gets a call to plant a church in the United States. 
Canton, Ohio, of all places. Oh, my gosh. Hall of Fame. That's right. That's our claim to fame. (laughs) That's your claim to fame. And that's where I went to high school. But being born and raised in the church, it was more of a duty. I hated the label to be a preacher's kid. And so the, the very first time that I recognized authenticity in the faith was through my cross country coach. His name was Rick Thompson. And at that point in time, I realized that, hey, Christians can be real people. So fast forward, I graduate high school, I enter into the Air Force. It just so happens that my parents were coming to Tampa, Florida to plant a church. My dad couldn't get things off of the ground, and the church in which I serve now is the church that found my parents found. Yes. Unbelievable. And they became basically founding members of that church. And then since I was in Tampa, my mom says, hey, we found a great church. You want to come? I'm like, no, I just left the house. Why would I want to start coming back to church? Nonetheless, I did. Met a great gal. Air Force took us, took us off. And uh, we ended up coming back in 2007. How long were you in the Air Force? 22 years. We came back in 2007 to Tampa, Florida, where my mom was passing away. So was my father-in-law and my sister-in-law got cancer. And we stayed, got out of the Air Force and served as the youth pastor in the church in which I am now. Did that for 12 years Mm. and retired from the Air Force in 2009 and then went to seminary in 2013 to 2018. And then right around 2016, we started having conversations about joining a denomination. So where did you go to seminary? Went to RTS in Orlando. Okay. So did you come back and forth between Tampa and there? I made that trek uh, at least twice a week for almost five years. So you've got I-4 memorized. Yes, I do. (laughs) Dean, there's sometimes when I would pull up in the parking lot at RTS and I say, how did I get here? Yeah. Yeah. That it was, it was that bad at I times. Get it. I get yeah. It. And yeah, I graduated from RTS and uh, right around that time we were finishing up the conversations as to a denomination. We decided upon the EPC and um, myself and our associate pastor, Luke Gallagher, we were ordained in October of 19 and here we are. Wow. Well, you guys have been a great addition, um, not only to the Presbytery of Florida and the Caribbean, but to the entire EPC. I hope it's been a great fit for you guys, but uh, it this feels like where you belong. Yes. Yeah. Man, just pastor of a church that your parents planted and come back, and oh my gosh, that story is just, uh, that's, a, that's a good book, actually. I don't know if you, have you thought about sitting down and writing that up someday? Every now and then I just kind of just write cliff notes on it just to reflect yeah. at just how providential the Lord was during that, during that time in my life. Yeah, that might be one of those things for you to just pay attention to as the spirit prompts. And if there's a space and time in your life where you've got the ability to take those cliff notes and expand them a little bit, that might be a blessing. Amen. All right. Well, let's, let's turn the corner toward church health and evangelism, Mark, because you said yes to adding more to your already full life, you know, as a pastor of a growing church with a family, you got all kind of stuff going on, but you said yes to being a church health coordinator for the Presbyteria Florida in the Caribbean. What led you to say yes about that? Uh, What's that look like for you? Yeah. Being in the military all those years, organizational health was, was huge. And normally when a commander would come in every three to four years, you know, they would have a plan. And then the squadron's individual mission always had to attach to the unit's mission. And so there was always that alignment and organizational health. So I came out of that space. Mm. And then so when I was the, the youth pastor at our church for all of those years, when I first came in, that was the very first thing I did. Okay, where are we going? What are we, what are we doing? 
when I became the pastor of the church, same thing. Where are we going and what are we doing? But my thing was, I applied the principles that I knew from the military to the church. And there were a lot of things that just weren't a part of what it means to be healthy. Structural-wise, absolutely. So that was my mindset, but there were a lot of things missing. And so when I got tapped on the shoulder to be a part of the then church development committee, which was changed to the church health and uh, revitalization committee, I, I jumped right in. And right away I learned, well, there's a lot more to this than what I, than what I thought. And so what got you into it was kind of an organizational development thing. And that, I'm, you know, if we have time today, we'll dig down into that a little bit. But that could be you know, like podcast part two, because I think, I think a lot of pastors struggle with that, Mark. I think seminary doesn't always educate you around uh, organizational development theories and how to structure things. You kind of step into an environment and you say, well, this is the way it, it's set up. And sometimes it's it's a, a great system, but sometimes there's things about that system that need to be adjusted in order for the organization to thrive. Absolutely. Yeah, so Absolutely. that got you into it. And then you say when you got into it, you found that there was more to it than that. You, you got a passion for evangelism. A year ago, when we came for our initial training, our stated clerk, uh, Reverend Dr. Dean Weaver, said that a, a healthy church is one that has an evangelistic culture and does evangelism. And that statement stayed with me on my drive home. And I said to myself on the way home, we have got to get an evangelistic culture in our church, but I can't do it in and of myself. And so there was that aha moment, let's go to the Lord and then figure out how we can make this work. The beautiful thing about it was, is that I was in the space and had all of the tools Mm. at my disposal to, to be able to do this. And so when turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations, the Jimmy Scroggins book, I devoured that book backwards and forwards, forwards and backwards. It became a part of, it became a part of conversation. It became part of sermons. It was in small groups. I just continued to push in that area first in our church to leaders first Mm. and tried to see this has to trickle down. That was just like the very first initial move that I made on behalf of our church. I have said to many people, only transformed leaders can transform organizations, right? So the pastor themselves must be transformed before the congregation can be transformed. And that aha moment where the Holy Spirit spoke to you and you start getting on fire for this and then you realize I've got the resources I need. I've got this organizational thinking to pull it all together and it's interesting, your first step is you went to your leadership. So the transformed pastor starts transforming leaders that helped transform a congregation. Is that kind of the pathway? That was the very first step, um, speaking to those closest to me. And then stepping out on a limb and doing it. That was the second thing for me because those evangelistic muscles had kind of atrophied because I'd become a professional Christian over time, right. all those years in seminary, and then in my enclave there at the church, I just wasn't getting out into the neighborhood, into the community, and sharing the, this good news of the gospel. Isn't that stunning? Yeah, so I had to repent. <laughs> I had to tighten up in a lot of areas. Yeah, yeah. So what, what advice would you give for pastors uh, who could easily fall into the trap of being professional Christians? 
say, look in the mirror, first of all, and ask the Lord. You know, it's, it's what James says, you know, we look and we, we see our natural faces and we turn around, turn away and forget, uh, forget what we see. And so when we, when we look at ourselves and we ask the hard questions, Lord, uh, these things that I am preaching, these priorities uh, that concern the gospel, am I heralding them personally first? And if the answer is no, then allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart and uh, to let those things bubble to the surface that, that need change and ask the Lord to grant you the grace for that change that you need. Amen. Well, let, let's zero in on the three circles itself, which comes out of the Scroggins book. He has been super gracious to the EPC and basically saying, here's all these materials. You do with them what you want. They're not asking for money. They're not. He just wants to see people come to Christ. And so they've given us the ability to take a lot of the materials that flowed out of that book and, and kind of customize them for the EPC. And so let's start with, if someone says to you, is the three circles biblical, how would you respond? I would say absolutely. I mean, when we do a biblical theology on the three circles, we see it's, it's creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. If you want to look at that systematically, you can, but it follows the biblical outline for the plan of salvation. So it's absolutely biblical. And one of, the, one of my favorite stories in the book is when Scroggins talks about, I think he was in the Philippines, and so he goes to share the gospel, and it's a compelling, compelling presentation. And I believe he was with Tim Tebow's dad. So he's there, and he gives a compelling presentation. People respond, and then he finds out he did well, but he forgot to talk about the resurrection, which is the hallmark and the key of right. the gospel message. Right. And so if, if, if people want to quibble if it's biblical or not, it does not leave out the resurrection and the major pegs in the gospel story, of course. Yeah, it, it deals with God's original intent. It deals with sin and our fall. It deals with repentance and turning back to him. The cross is central to all of it. And the thing I appreciate about it is the on-ramp to this conversation is our own brokenness. Right. And uh, that's the relational component that, that turns every conversation into a gospel conversation. Right. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the tool itself. Is it accessible to the average person and how are people using it? I believe it's completely accessible. I've been able to, to see children as young as 9, 10 reproduce the paradigm and people as old as 65, 70 into senior, seniorhood also reproduce the paradigm. And what I like about drawing the circles, drawing the arrows, writing in brokenness, and continuing around the paradigm, what I like about it is it creates a mental map for the individual. Uh, just the other day, I was, uh, I was asked to, to give a gospel presentation at a funeral. And so, of course, I wasn't going to, you know, break out the whiteboard and, and uh, draw the circles at a, at a funeral. It was a, uh, a dear uh, sister in our church. I said everything that I needed to say about our departed loved one and then segued into you know, I'd be remiss if I did not share the gospel with you all today. That's what she would want me to do. Right. Mentally, understanding how the paradigm works, the tool, if you will, I was just able to walk naturally right. through the gospel story and then, of course, give a opportunity for, for response. Yeah, any tool with repetition becomes intuitive, Right. I used to have this elder at a church I served in Buffalo, New York, who is a vice president of a chemical company, but his love was carpentry. 
and he was a master carpenter. And if you saw Jack with a, a saw in his hand or a hammer in his hand, it looked like it was just part of his body. Like he didn't have to even really think about what he was doing. It, it just, he had done it for so many years. It become so a part of him that it just flowed naturally. I'm so clumsy when it comes to stuff like that. And I would watch him and I would be like, it, it's almost just seamless. And I think that's the thing about a tool. Some people push against it because it feels contrived. And yet the point of the tool is not the tool itself. It's, it's how it trains us to have conversations that, that you know, move toward the gospel and become intuitive so that the point... I, one pastor I heard who uses the three circles as his benediction every week. Like, he doesn't literally get out the whiteboard or anything like that, but he goes through what you did at the funeral as because he wants everybody, when they leave on a Sunday morning, visitors or people watching online or whatever, he wants them to hear a clear presentation of the gospel every single time. And so he's got like a less than two-minute benediction every week that he is able to run through the three circles in about a minute, minute and a half as part of his benediction. Every time that someone comes into the office and we enter into a conversation, I'm going straight to my whiteboard and we're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to get back to basics. Husband and wife come in, same thing. We're going to talk about the gospel. Candidates for baptism, young and old, we're going to talk about the gospel. I'm going to the whiteboard. Uh, Begin meetings by going, staff meetings by going to the whiteboard. This is why we're here. We start writing on the three circles. If I'm at home, little bit of time on my hands, just want to brush up a little bit, I'll just pull out the notebook yeah. and I'll just kind of walk through. Like, yeah. Okay, Lord, we're good. We're good. Talking to my neighbor the other day and um, he brought over some children's books that he wanted me to put in our church libraries, not a Christian. He says, we have no need for them. So I'm like, why don't you hold on to these books? He goes, we've read them all. I said, okay. I said, um, well, let me just ask you a question. Um, what's the gospel? And uh, he goes, well, I'm not, I'm not really sure. You know, my wife knows, but I'm, you know, I'm not really sure. And I said, let me, let, me, let me draw a picture for you. And that began a conversation that still continues today with my neighbor two doors down from me. That's one of my favorite questions when someone is on the floor of a presbytery to be examined. There was a pastor in uh, the presbytery of the Alleghenies who, you know, everybody kind of knew when that guy stood up his question because he asked the same question of every person every time. What is the gospel? I want to hear you explain the gospel because that's where it starts. That's where it ends. That's what transforms everything. Everything is understood in light of that. And uh, if you can't articulate that conversationally, you know we're missing out on the transforming power of what he's given us, right? Yeah, I tell a story in some of my presentations of uh, Steve Childers, who was one of my professors at RTS, and I uh, took the mandatory evangelism class, and uh, within five minutes of walking in the door, he had us all sit down, pull out a white sheet of paper, set an egg timer for two minutes. He goes, okay, write out the gospel. You got two minutes, go. Yeah. I failed. Oh. I failed. Yeah. <laughs> failed. <laughs> it, it reminds me of Vince Lombardi's famous thing, you know, when he gathers people in the locker room, the famous football coach for the Green Bay Packers, and he, he holds out a football and he says, gentlemen, this is a football, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. it's kind of like uh, for all of us, it's ladies and gentlemen, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. Yeah. I want to do one last thing before we close up, Mark. And I think it's really helpful because even for people who buy into the idea that, okay, we need to have an evangelistic culture and we, we believe in evangelism is important. One of the ways which you guys 
practically introduce the three circles into the life of congregations is what you guys call bottlenecks. Could you unpack what a bottleneck is and how that's used real practically for a church that wants to do something like this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have a new members class starting this this Saturday. In my presentation, I will be talking about the three circles. So the new members class is a bottleneck. It's a bottleneck. Okay. Uh, every opportunity that we find that we can put in this uh, talk about the gospel and sharing the tool, that creates a bottleneck of conversations. And so like last year, VBS training, as the VBS workers were being trained, I took 30 minutes, walked in and said, you're going to have some children from homes that are unchurched and they're going to ask questions. Let me put a tool in your hand that shows how you can respond to their questions. We had a members meeting not too long ago. We talked about the gospel. And so every opportunity that we have that presents itself to talk about the gospel and to put and to train the congregation, putting the tool in their hands Churches should take advantage of that. So looking at all of your events and looking at all of the things that you do, the rhythms of the church, how can you get the message out and the tool to your members in their hands? So this kind of brings us full circle to where we began, organizational development. If you think about your organization, you'll be able to identify some of those bottlenecks, right? VBS training, new members class, maybe a benediction, counseling, <laughs> counseling. Those are all bottlenecks. And if you think about your organization and you think about the gospel coming to bear at each one of those places, that's got to be the first most significant step towards transforming a church to becoming a, a biblically healthy church. I would agree. It starts the conversation in how the church can become an evangelistic church, a church with a, a culture of evangelism. And then the next step is not only do we know how the tool works, but can we put the tool to use? And that's when the rubber really meets the road and discipleship has to continue to take place in right. those areas. And leaders lead. They have to. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what would be, in closing your final like word of encouragement to those who are listening in, uh, maybe the pastor who's driving to the church right now or the or the elder who's, you know, taking their dog for a walk. I mean, as they're listening in to you, what encouragement would you finally give them as it relates to this matter of church health? I would say for pastors uh, to establish an, an evangelistic culture in the church, it, it cannot be seen as a program. Uh, here's the director of evangelism and, and here are the containers that we're going to put it in. And this is how we're going to dispense it throughout the congregation. It really does have to start with having a heart for the lost. And how has the Lord equipped this church to minister and come alongside those who, who are not saved, that need to be in covenant community? And it's Matthew 28, of course, and the Lord uses us. If we take that responsibility seriously and we move from a heart of conviction, then we will share earnestly with those connectors in the church that can continue to spread this message. But it really does start with the heart of conviction. Amen. Amen. The mission of the EPC is to carry out the Great Commission. Presbyterian Evangelical Reform Missional Churches is to carry out the Great Commission. That starts with sharing the gospel. Amen. Thank you for being in alignment 
with not just the EPC, but more importantly with the Lord and yielding to him in terms of what his word says, which you know is true and serving faithfully as a pastor and now giving sacrificially of your time and serving the larger church as a church health coordinator. And can't wait to hear you bring the word General Assembly this summer. Thanks, Dean. Good to be with you today. Well, my friends, that concludes our conversation today. And I really want to encourage you to pass this on to, um, you know, if you're an elder, get this to your pastor, do it in a good way. Don't, don't do it in a way that like kind of is passive aggressive or anything like that. Just come to your pastor and say, oh my gosh, I just listened to this podcast with Mark Farrell and you got to hear this. And this is something we ought to be praying about as a church and do it as a source of encouragement, as a colleague, as coming alongside of them. The more we as the evangelical Presbyterian Church put the first things first, that God will honor that. And I think we, it's not a one-off. This is not something that we're going to do and move on. This is something we have to come back to again and again and again and again. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, this is a football. This is the gospel. And uh, we hope that you're encouraged and blessed today with a way in which you can be about sharing that gospel with the people who are in your spheres of influence. All right, my friends, we're going to close as we always do from that good word that is from God's word in Colossians 1, 15 through 18. The Son is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. And in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they're thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You see, he is before all things, my friends. And in him and in him alone, all things hold together. For you see, he is the head of the body that is the church. And it's in his name, the matchless name of Jesus, who is the gospel himself. We bid grace and peace to you until the next time we gather. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today. Thank you.